Welcome to The Heath Barnes Show, bringing you interviews and insights to grow your business from some of today's leading voices in the mortgage industry. The Heath Barnes Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Heath Barnes. Hey guys, I am super excited about this episode. Carson Vaughn with Guild Mortgage is going to be on it. And, and I had a list of what I do in a seller's market, but his list blew mine away. He's going to, he's, there's so much gold in this episode. I hope you like it as much as I do. Stay tuned. Welcome to another episode. My guest today is Mr. Carson Vaughn with Guild Mortgage out of Austin, Texas. Carson's a uh, producing branch manager and has been for about 20 years now. He's also a professional coach with the core training, and I'm really excited about uh, the topic today. Welcome, Carson. How you doing? He, thanks for having me. Super excited this Friday morning to be on the call with you. I'm great. Yeah, man. We're happy to have you. You know, before we get started, I, I just got to share with everyone my my favorite story of Carson and I have known each other, I guess, probably 10 years or so now. We, he and I work together at a company called Mission Mortgage. And then I, I think he, you were, you and I were both in the core at the time. And I was a coach. And if, for those of you that don't know, the core training is like one of the most elite training programs in our industry. And he, I was a coach at a time, I think this was 2015 or 16. And Every, twice a year, they do what's called the summit, which is a two-day event. And then the coaches get together afterwards for a Saturday download. And typically, if we need to add another coach, we'll sit around and talk about you know which coaches we want to add. And this particular Saturday, Carson's name came up. And he, his name had come up the last couple of times. But that this particular time was different because Rick Ruby, who's a very militant style drill sergeant guy, stood up and he, he's the one that owns and runs the Corps and said, listen, let me tell you about Carson Vaughn. And he went on this long explanation about what you had, had done since you'd been in the Corps and he finished it off with, he said, I want you to hear this. If I was in a dark alley and I could pick anyone, I'd pick Carson. <laughs> the guy gets it done. And I was thinking, Carson, really? In a dark alley? It's like, so I mean, I thought that was the greatest compliment. I was like, I want to be in the dark alley. I want to be that guy. So, what? Anyways, maybe he was coaching you at the time. Yeah. Have you heard that story before? So, I hadn't, I did not know that was the, the intro before y'all voted or you guys voted on who the coach was, but he has many times told me that I'm the guy he wants to be at his side in a dark alley. I, you know, I think it's really maybe more of a testament to like, I'm just a blue collar guy and I'm kind of scrappy. It certainly doesn't yeah. have anything to do with my muscles or my fighting ability. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, <laughs> um, well, hey, before we get into our uh, topic uh, today, I want uh, the audience to kind of get an idea of who Carson is and, you know, tell me about like, how'd you get in the business? What put you in the business? And then maybe a little bit, yeah, about yourself. So go ahead. I love it. Great question. Yeah. So I live in Austin, Texas. I went to college in San Antonio, Trinity University, and I was in school. And I guess I was up in Austin with some buddies one night, probably for a UT Longhorn football game. And I met this gal 
that ended up, we ended up getting married and now we have three kids together and it's been, gosh, that was 20, 22 years ago, something like that mm. when we first met. And in any case, Laura is her name. Her mom ran a mortgage company here in Austin, Texas. And I mm. was a junior in college, right? So I literally, my senior year, I drove to Austin and talked my way into a job. And at the time I didn't know, but it was like a loan officer assistant kind of job. And so in February of 2001, I got into the mortgage business. I graduated that May. So for, I guess, I don't know, three or four months, I was basically a setup processor slash loan officer assistant. I graduated in 2001 and thought, wow, these guys don't really work very hard. They close a bunch of loans and they make a bunch of money. And I'm so dumb. I didn't know any better. I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So that's how I got yeah. started in the mortgage business, and that was about wow. 20 years ago. Wow. Your career has really taken off in the last, what, 10 years? Yeah, probably the last 10 years. The last five, I've focused really more on growing a branch for the, if I've, let's say, if I've actively been doing this 20 years, the first 10 years, I kind of flew by the seat of my pants. The last 10 years, I've been coached. And I would say the accountability and the structure and systems certainly have, are responsible for the results. And in the last four or five years is really when I've started growing a branch. I'm a little behind you. I know you've had a branch a little longer than me, but growing a branch really has been the focus the last five years. Yeah, but you've really come on in the last couple of years. I think you're, uh, yeah, done a great job. And I, I'm curious, I, I kind of know this, but I think it'd be good for the audience. So you, for when was the first time you ever went to a course summit? And then when did you actually end up uh, signing up for coaching? Yeah, so I went to my first summit event probably in, oh, actually it was in November of 06. And I didn't make enough money to really be coached. There was some limits. There were some minimums. You had to make enough money. I made about half that. So I started mm. working on the things they were teaching and I went back the next year and I went back the following year and I finally signed up. And uh, you know, my big regret was not signing up earlier, but I officially mm. signed up to get to be coached in 2009. So it's, yeah, what's that been, 12 years now? Wow. Okay. So yeah, we did. I guess we did get in the core together. I don't. I don't know if we were working together in 2000. I guess we were. That's probably the same time I went to work at Mission as well, or 2000. Probably is. You know, if I were to look back at that time, he, I was probably closing about. I mean, I was always a pretty good producer. I was mm -hmm. closing eight to ten loans a month, doing it mm -hmm. without any team, mm, flying wow. by the seat of my pants calls on the cell phone, writing stuff down on stick it notes, losing the stick it notes, not knowing how to keep track of my business. Yeah. And then when I look back from, you know, then a hundred loans a year at probably a 200,000 loan amount. So maybe a $20 million a year producer to yeah. looking back at last year in 2020, which, you know, was a little artificial because yeah. of, of all the, the low rates and, and some refinances. Right. But Last year, I closed about 400 loans, 130 million. And so, you know, 4X wow. the number of loans, we were about 35% refi. So still the majority purchase loans, 65% purchases or so. Yeah, that's phenomenal. You know, most people are closing a bunch of refinance loans and you're running a branch and one day a week you're coaching people. So you get it all in one week, which is amazing. So, and, and you're in Austin, Texas, and it doesn't make it any easier. In fact, it was just maybe three weeks ago, a friend of mine called me and said, Heath, you would never believe it. I just sold my house. And he starts into the story and 
this time last year, he had his house on the market for 850, got a buyer that fell out. And then this year, about two months ago, put his house on the market for 950 on the lake and ended up selling it. Get this 1.3. Wow. Cash offer. So it just goes to show, you know, when you a year ago, he had a, had his contract fall out and then it went up a hundred and actually ended up going up almost 500. So anyway, so that's what's going on. I mean, in the reason he got so much money is because, you know, it's, I think what's going on in Austin is going on all over the country. And it's, I know it's going on here in Houston. So I think today Carson's one of the best people I know in the business when it comes to a uh, seller's market and how to position yourself and most people on the call think i mean oh wow there's not enough inventory that's great news for us in the and the, in the uh, lending industry right carson yeah absolutely yeah Love so it. what do you what are you doing right now in austin and i'm sure what's it's going on all over the country well what, give me some things you're doing and teaching your students on how they p- can position themselves to pick up more transactions I love it. So you kind of touched on it and alluded to it, and I'll just kind of expand on. It's like the harder the market gets, the more excited I get. Rates go up, mm. great. I love it because then it's back to roll up your sleeves, grind it out, make more phone calls, get back to work. You know, people aren't lining up at the door, knocking the door down to to to, to get a loan from you. Right. And that's what changes when the market gets harder. And a harder market is an opportunistic market for folks like you and me, Heath, that, that don't mm-hmm. mind rolling up our sleeves and don't mind getting to work and putting in the work. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no shortcuts. Now, you talked about the market and whether it's a buyer's market or a seller's market, it creates its own challenges. Right. So right. specifically in a limited inventory market where there's literally five, 10, 20 buyers for each home in Austin, I think we just got the top spot in terms of percentage over sales price. Really? I'm sorry, percentage over list price. So the price that the home closes for relative to the actual price it went on the market at, we were the number one city in the country. And of course, that comes with a lot of challenges. So I love that opportunity that it creates because now it really matters more than ever, the lender you're working with. Yeah. Right. I look at my job, our job, Heath, right, as a, a minimum is to get that loan closed on time, to do mm-hmm. a good job, to get the client a good deal, to mm-hmm. do what we say we're going to do. Like, that's just the bare minimum of the job. But now I look mm-hmm. at it as the opportunity is my realtors will fight for me if they look mm-hmm. at me as, as a, an extension of their team to help get that mm-hmm. offer accepted. Yes. Yeah. That's like my that. job. I, yep. Yeah. Sounds like you're saying the harder it is, the better it makes you, right? You're going to use that lender out of Kansas that doesn't have a real office that you can only email and nobody answers the phone in this kind of market? Right. Yeah. So what, what's the some of the strategies that uh, you're thinking about and then maybe that you're sharing with your agents so that people on the call can have a few ideas if they're experiencing the same thing? I love it. Yeah, it's great, great question there. So I think it really starts with that initial consultation with the client. So mm-hmm. we call those our pre-approval meetings. So if, whether we're doing it on Zoom or in person or on the phone, I want the agent to know that we're doing a few important things there. Number one, 
we're setting the proper expectations about what kind of market we really are in. Yeah. So I'm telling the client, hey, this is the kind of market where you may go out and look at five to six to 10 homes that you fall in love with that you don't get an offer accepted right away. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know it has nothing to do with your realtor. In fact, your realtor is one of the best negotiators that I've worked with. It's a function mm-hmm. of the market. And it's just the reality. And now here are some things that we can do to help your offer stand out and make you look stronger. And whether that is mm-hmm. putting more money down, whether that's getting a full approval, what we call a fast track program so that we can write it with less contingencies. Yeah. So I, I think of my first job is to set proper expectations. I think of my second job in that initial meeting is to really sell my realtor, endorse my realtor, that mm-hmm. that referral partner that referred them to me, that they are in such great hands and how I know that referral partner. And it's important that your referral partners know that you're doing that. Yes. Yeah. Third. Yeah. You mean keep going or? Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Okay, cool. Then third, like I know that if they want to spend 400000 they may have to spend five hundred to get that $400,000 house, right? That's just the yeah. kind of market we're in. So when they come to me and they want a $400,000 purchase price and with the mortgage, I need to go ahead and educate them on what spending more would look like mm-hmm. so that they're not panicking on a Sunday morning. This one's fifty thousand more. Can I reach my lender? They already know that that yeah. yes, their max is four, but they really could go to five. And here's what it looks like. Wow. So okay, that's important. And then also talking to them about what it looks like. And this is probably the biggest one most recently. Heath is that yeah. we know in a crazy limited environment, you're going to need to waive the appraisal, right. or you're going to need to waive your right to terminate a contract should it not appraise. Right. And I, And I will bet you, if we ask our realtors, hey, what happens when the appraisal comes in $20,000 short? Yeah, They have to bring that $20,000 and make up the difference, right? And the agents are like, absolutely, that's how it works. But you and I and the people listening on this call know that the reality is we can often absorb some of the shortage in the loan. Yes. And how do you do that? Yeah. So as as you know, so if someone's putting 20% down, and the appraisal comes in 10% short, they still put their 20% down, but on paper, it's a 90% loan. And so now the loan has mortgage insurance at $200 a month for the next five years. And so we show them, hey, 60 payments at $200 a month will cost you 12 grand or bring in the shortage of 50,000, 12 grand is a lot cheaper than having to bring another 50 grand. Right. And it blows your realtor's mind, but I just want the realtor to know that we're having that conversation automatically educating their clients on what it means. I don't want them explaining what happens when the appraisal comes in short. Do you? No, not at all. Yeah. In fact, I like that idea. It's like telling them up front, hey, we're probably going to pay more than less. Let's talk about what that looks like. Let's talk about what it looks like if it's a hundred over and using the, just because they have mortgage insurance, you know, they don't, it doesn't necessarily always make the payment higher. Like they can roll it in, you know, you can, you can roll in the mortgage insurance and do a, like a one-time pay and the payment be almost the same and the cash to close almost yeah. the same. So, and if you go over it up front, right. And you go over those numbers up front, I don't know about you, Carson, but I often get clients that say, oh, wow, I didn't know 
that there's not that much of a change in the payment and the down payment. But if they're out there driving around in the car, the first thing they say is, oh, well, I don't know if we can do that. So I love that. So you address that. You address that up front. Addressing it up front. That's right. That's yeah. the key. That's what will help get your realtor to fight for their client to use you because you make yes. their job easier. You're educating their client. You're making them look good. Yes. Yes. And and then what else are you covering? So it sounds like you're building, what you're saying is you're building the agent up. You're preparing them for what's going to happen, which is the, probably going to have to submit an offer over the list price. Are there and other probably going to be disappointed. Probably going to yep. lose out a few times. Right. Yep. Setting expectations. Cool. Anything, what other tactics are you using with... Best, um, didn't mean to interrupt you, buddy. Best strategy, I, I love the idea of getting your buyer, your borrower, an additional mm-hmm. buy-in from them would be to fully underwrite and approve their loan before they find a property. And I tell yeah. them that, hey, this fast track program where we fully underwrite and approve you will allow us to take a 30-day close and shave a couple weeks out because we can do all the underwriting approval before you find a home. And that will allow Mm -hmm. you to remove some contingencies in your offer. And you can then almost be the same as cash, but more importantly, you can write a quicker close. And that really Mm -hmm. commits them to me when I tell them to go write a 17-day close. Right then they're not shopping me because we've already done all the work and they're 90% of the way done. Yeah. Rates, not even rates, not even an, an issue anymore. Right. Cause you've created so much value for them. Uh, prices that is not even a factor. So I love that. Cool. So I've got uh go over appraisal up front T- TBD or so, so when you, you submitted into underwriting, yeah, uh-huh. you submitted into underwriting. You get it approved. Do you get all the conditions cleared so that you can then ride it without a financing? That's right. So okay. we'll get the majority of the stuff cleared. Now, there's going to be things like we know we're going to need an updated bank statement or we'll need an updated mm-hmm. whatever, but we'll clear most of the stuff. And it it just yeah. allow, it allows us to, to confidently tell them that they can go in and make an offer not subject to financing. And then we talk, we will talk through what waiving an appraisal looks like, what a partial waiver looks like, really educate them. We are the right ones to explain what a appraisal waiver means, in my opinion, right. because your financing is impacted based on what it appraises for, right? The lesser of the purchase price or appraisal. So we're the right ones to be explaining that. And I want my realtors to know that I'm the right one to explain that, that I don't need uh, to Mm. rely on. They don't need to worry about trying to represent what's right and what's wrong. And it's such a big deal in our market. They can't afford to let some online lender try to explain it. And then we get into the, you know, our preferred process of appraisers compared to Mm -hmm. someone from out of town. It's back yeah. to the old school selling, buddy. Getting scrappy, there rolling you, up your sleeves. There you go. Right up Carson's alley. That's a nice little pun, huh? <laughs> so do you have a, a phone call with the real estate agent generally b- before most clients come into your uh, office or before you speak with them so you can kind of get some background? Yeah, great question. So often the, the realtor will refer me the client and give me a heads up on what they want, what they're trying to do, how high mm-hmm. they really need to go. And then give me the information so that I can reach out to the client rather than just saying, hey, I referred someone to you. You know, right. The goal for me is to get, for all of us, is to get our realtors to really take control of that referral process. 
Nice. And and do you um, do you submit them that like you were talking about the fast track? Do you do that with all your clients, or do you do it with some of them? We do it with a lot of our clients, and we we okay. pitch it as a benefit to them that it takes that it's more work on our end, but it's worth mm-hmm. it for them for these reasons. So especially like the rate shoppers and the people that aren't really committed, we'll try to yeah. get more commitment from them by taking them down that road. Yeah. Take everyone. I mean, our, our market's not nearly as bad as y'all, your market, but we've just decided to, we're just going to take everyone and submit them up front as a uh, to be determined so that, you know, it, it, we're not then caught off guard because it's, ta- it's taken, I don't know, three weeks now for appraisals here in uh, Houston. How about you? How long do you have to wait? Gosh, we used to get them back in seven days, let's say a year ago, and now we really need to give the appraiser about 14 days. We can, we will bump the fee to get a rush to get it accepted, but on average, it's taken about 14 days, and our average appraisal fee has probably gone up from 500 to about 750. I'm thinking about calling our appraisal company and and doubling the price of the appraisal and say, hey, listen, I want a set time period in which I know I can get the appraisal back, and I'm going to give you instead of you know five fifty or seven fifty for a jumbo, I'll give you fifteen hundred and twelve hundred, yeah, just to take that off, just to take that off the uh, table. So we'll see if that works. Nice I'll let you know advantage. if it works. Yep. Yeah. So other tactics that you're using, so I've got TBD underwrite, I've got going over list price. What about when it comes to someone that's just putting 5% down? How do you handle those people that only have 5% down? Yeah, that's really tough in this kind of environment. So I'm educating the realtors up front. Hey, if if you have a client that needs a $1,500 a month payment, because that's what they're paying in rent, chances are really great that they're not going to be able to find a $250,000 house or $200,000 house to have that kind of yeah. payment. Yeah, there's an entry-level price point and it, it, that number keeps growing. The minimum down makes it really tough. We'll tell them to go with a new build in some cases, right? Because you negotiate a price up front, you mm-hmm. know what it is, they build it for six, seven, eight months and yeah. you have instant equity eight months from now. Yeah. That maybe I don't get a loan, but that's but but I'm giving the client the right advice doing that because they're going to have a really hard time getting an offer accepted at five percent down when they're having to. So the the only other ways are to talk about do they have a way to come up with more money? Having those mm-hmm. conversations, do they have a relative? Do they have a four hundred one k they can dip into? Right? right. So if you've exhausted all the other options, then having that candid conversation yeah. with them. Yeah. Do you let's say a client has enough money to pay cash? Do you have, do you do you collaborate with with the agent and the client to submit a cash offer, and then opt for financing during the process? Is that a strategy you use? Yeah, great question. So sometimes the client comes, goes to the realtor and says, "Hey, we just want to be a cash buyer," and I'll tell mm-hmm. the realtor, "Hey, get them over to me anyway, and I'll get them on the phone with their financial advisor, and we can talk through with rates where they are. Maybe it makes more sense to get a loan." But I think what you're asking me is, you know, if they're going to, to do a cash transaction, we'll come mm-hmm. in afterwards and do a, a a delayed financing loan. So we yeah. put, you know, right, we'll do the cash out refi delayed finance under the delayed financing guidelines. We'll do that sometimes. Or if they're paying cash, we'll advise them to 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 get a private party lien holder that we can pay it off as a rate term refi. Mm. 
right? If they're getting yeah. a gift from parents, have parents be the lien holder, then we'll pay parents off right. rather than having to pay higher rates with the cash out. Right. So yeah, being an advisor idea. and the best way to structure it, and then we get the deal down the road. Yeah, I like that. Other ideas that you're using that you feel like are helping you win contracts? Yeah, bring value. Great question. So I think it's super important. We're all probably doing it. I think it's super important to reach out to the listing agent when an offer is presented. Oh. Yeah. We are showing, you know how when you're a cash buyer, the yeah. listing agent may require you to show proof of funds? Yes. Why wouldn't you show proof of funds for your down payment? Oh, we you already have all their bank statements. Financing? Yeah. Yeah, you're getting sure. financing. Why wouldn't we show they have 200 grand in a retirement account, even though they're, they're only putting 50,000 down? Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So that's a great little tactic. It's easy to do. Black out the account numbers. I send it back to the client and I say, hey, you provide this to your realtor because I don't want to be the one providing it to the realtor. Yeah. But you can provide your own financial information to your realtor to submit. So that strategy helps. That's a, just a little trick that we found works. Calling the listing agent. I know you do this as well, Heath. We've talked about it yeah. a lot. Calling the listing agent and yeah. really looking at my job is to help sell the offer of my client, right? So I'm calling, I check in with you. Hey, Heath, it's Carson Guild Mortgage. I want to let you know I'm working with the Smiths. They made an offer on your listing at 123 Easy Street. I heard it's a really great house. I, I bet you've had a lot of traffic through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot a of lot, traffic. Yeah. Like people standing in line, I heard there were cars all the way around the block. Is that true? Oh yeah, they're all the way around the block. Yeah, we're we're accepting contracts now. We got about nine right now, so hopefully you your got, client is gosh, strong. Absolutely, I figured you were in a multiple offer situation. We've got a really strong buyer. I've already run them all the way through underwriting. We use our okay. money to fund the loan. My underwriters sit down the hall. We even service our own loan, so I don't have to worry about selling this loan to another bank and what their guidelines are. So we got a super strong slam dunk deal. Nice. We can close really quickly. I ran. I took the liberty of running it through. We've got a property inspection waiver. That means we don't need an appraisal. So I understand they're waiving the appraisal. So we're good there. I don't have any financing contingencies. I don't have an appraisal contingency. You wow, said you had about like nine other offers. Yeah, I got nine other offers. Yeah. How do we fit in that really, mix? You know, I mean, it sounds like you're as good as my two cash buyers. So if, if you can get that price right, I'm sure we can make a deal. Awesome. Is there anything else I need to know or that you'd like to tell me? Anything else that would help make it easy for your seller to say yes? Yeah. You know, my client, they would like to close uh, quickly in a couple of weeks, but they're going to need another month to find a house. So, you know, other people are asking for a lease back. You know, I, I don't know if y'all would be interested in something like that. Yeah. If I could get them to do maybe a two month free lease back, that might help, right? Oh, Give wow. Two months. Time. I tell you that that'll probably most likely win it if you're going to give a free lease back. Wow. I love it. I can't speak for them, but I know they love your house and I'll make sure to relay that information back. I love it when agents like you will share information with me. You feel more comfortable than maybe sharing it with the agent directly. So I'll keep this between us, but I'll relay some of the details over. Okay. Man, I love that. Listen, if you're if you if you're not using that tactic, I would write it down. Free sixty day lease back. I'm gonna start using that tomorrow. Now That's he's gonna ask idea. you one more question. Yep. You said you had What's nine that? other offers. How many other lenders called you proactively to go over the terms of the offer? None. You're the only really? one. Really? Are you kidding me? Not at all. 
Lazy no one lenders. called me. That's like getting yeah. a realtor to call you back, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, well, what about your lender? Is, is your lender doing that automatically when you guys write offers? No, but I'm going to tell them to from now on. Yeah, or maybe I'd I love get to, your information. I'd love it. In fact, let's jump on a Zoom call next week, Monday or Tuesday. One of those mornings work better for you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, that was Dude, some bonus so, script in there. How's that? I, I love that. So, how? Let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm sure everybody's wanting to know. You know, how many, how many of those phone calls? Not only do you did, that you make be, end up becoming a successful meeting. Or how do you make it a successful meeting? Over half the realtors I work with now, I probably picked up on the listing agent side. Wow. And I can give you kind of an abbreviated little run through on the strategy behind that, if that's of interest. Please. So I feel like, you know, if we break down, you know, how do we get agents, right? And, And going after listing agents is an easy way, right? You and I, we're successful lenders. We're handling lots of transactions. I do a lot of purchase business. So there's great opportunities on every single transaction, right? And so the very first opportunity to impress that listing agent is when you make that call at the offer stage. Right. And Heath, I'll get a meeting sometimes even when they don't take our offer. But really? It's, but it's, yes, but it's and That's I'll follow up if I really liked if I really liked that agent. Like you know, I kind of made it funny, but I was kind of bold and kind of memorable. Yeah. It, chances are great. I've worked with them before, and I'll be like, "Hey, I remember you. We worked together a couple of years ago." I think I called you two or three times for a meeting and you never would meet with me. I don't know if that's true or not, but they usually laugh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I'm, sure. I'm determined this time you're going to meet with me, okay? So let's just get it scheduled right now <laughs> and nice. make it kind of lighthearted and funny, right? Then if they do accept your offer, right, we update our clients. I think you do as well. We pick a day of the week and we do our updates on that day. And I just check in with them. Let's say if it's if we do ours on Tuesday, if I'm checking in with Heath now, he's the listing agent. He took our offer. Hey, Heath, this Carson, I want to check in with you. How are you guys feeling about the transaction? Are your sellers worried? How are they feeling? Is there any information right. you need from us? I don't even go into a lot of detail. Like, how are your sellers feeling? Hey, just want to let you know we're on track. We are going to close on time. Is there anything extra you need from me? Nice. Awesome. Yeah, now, think- here's the key. Go yeah. ahead. No, I was just going to say that. I mean, that's great advice. If you're a newer loan officer and you're listening to this call and you're not updating the agents every single week, like at the same time, you know, same bad time, same bad place, you're missing the boat because it's a great opportunity for that, for you to provide information and to show off your game to the listing agent, right? I mean, that's the number one problem on our industry is communication. And yeah, if they're calling you, then you're losing. You've already so, lost. You and I yeah. talk about that. I love it. Yep. Yeah. So calling them one day a week for the three or four weeks that you're in contract, that's great. And that alone yeah. will often get you on their radar and, ha- and get you an opportunity to be a backup lender to whoever their lender is. Yeah. There's a home run tactic that we just started doing a couple months ago. And Ooh. it's it's calling on. I like on. the sound of this. Yep. I'm going to give this one to you for free. Okay, Heath? Come on. <laughs> so if I call on a Friday going into a weekend and I'm, let's say that this is that very first week and Heath took our offer and I, I was memorable on that offer call. And then mm-hmm. I impressed him on the first Tuesday. How's your seller feeling? I know it takes mm-hmm. all of us working together to get to closing. Is there anything else extra I can do for you guys? Awesome. I'll talk to you next week. And if I called on Friday, if I called you and you're a big, bad agent, big listing agent, Heath, if I called yeah. you on Friday and said, 
Hey, Heath, it's Carson Gill Mortgage. I want to check in with you. I didn't want to let a whole week get by or a whole weekend get by from us before I checked in with you. Is there anything extra you need headed into the weekend? No, I'm good. All right. Well, we are still on track. Everything's great. Hey, I want to let you know, I know things are happening on the weekends. I know you're busy on weekends. I know real estate often is the busiest on the weekends. If there's something you need this weekend and you can't reach your lender, when we hang up, I'm going to send you my contact card. Call my Ooh. cell phone. I will take care of you. Wow. Man, did y'all hear that? I mean, that's I'm putting that in my tool bag right there. Calling them on Friday, the listing agent, to give them an update. But really what you're doing is you're saying, hey, call me. Like my favorite line, I heard this from a buddy of mine who's been on the podcast. Blaine Stewart says, "If you're if I'm working, if you're working, I'm working." <laughs> I love that. If you're working, I'm working. Yes. Remember that. Don't ever so apologize on the weekend. If a we if a realtor calls you on the weekend, you know they need you, but they always are like, "Hey Heath, uh, it's Carson. I'm sorry to bother you on a weekend." But yeah. they get a sales call from another lender that's like, please call me on the weekend. If it's you, I'll drop what I'm doing and I'll get you taken care of. Yeah. 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 Man, that's great. the home run. Yeah. I if love you want to lock dude. down a meeting with the listing agent, that's the home run. To, yeah. You know, you, you planted the idea up front. Is your lender doing this automatically for you when you make mm. offers? How many other yeah. lenders? Gosh, they're so dang lazy. Not me. We're going to work really hard to make sure this is a successful transaction. Yes. Calling on Fridays. Call them on uh, Friday, baby. Okay, so I know here in Texas and, and most places around the country, since it's taken longer to get an appraisal, what a, there's also the option period in which they're doing inspections. Are there some tactics that you're using in order to make your offer look stronger when it's coming in? And if so, what, what do those look like? Yeah, so th there's some things that we're doing in terms of like increasing earnest money, shortening or making no financing window, knowing that they can back out during the option period. But often, right now in our market in Austin, we're having to waive appraisal, we're waiving financing, we're waiving option period, and we're waiving wow. delivery of HOA documents. Because that's wow. that little secret backdoor way out of a contract if you don't get the, uh -huh, you know, yep. you back out within three days or something like that. So they're waiving yes. HOA receipt. Yes. Wow. So it's got to be strong. We got to do our work up front if there's no way out. Yeah, and that's a great point about the HOA. Most people don't even know that. At least that's here in Texas. I don't know if that's all over the country, but here mm -hmm. in Texas, you can get out of the contract if you don't get the HO Homeowners Association documents within a certain period of time. And if, if you're a loan officer and you're not looking up the listing agent to figure out how long they've been doing business together, um, you should. Not only how long they've been doing business together, but you need to look them up just to see whether or not there's someone that you want to market to. Because, you know, it's it's always, it's you know, it's going to be a better game if you know all the players that are, are you, the competition you're playing against. So, I use myself. I use MI to look up real estate agents. What do you use? What do is you that? Use What's MI? MI. It's a national database for both mortgage loan officers and uh, realtors. And actually, I just saw this yesterday. There is a builder list. There now you can look up a builder neighborhood. 
salesperson, and, it, and what the, what it does is it goes through all of the uh, national records and gives you a, four, a running fourteen day or fourteen month total, and it'll tell you who the agent's lender is that they're using. And it's called Mobility Market Intelligence. So I can type in a real estate agent's name and see all the transactions that they do business with. So who? what do you do? Are you doing any research on real estate agent, agents? I get a list yeah. once a year with their production numbers. Oh man, you got to get, get it through this. my board of realtors, and then I update it once a year. I I sort it by the number of buy sides, and then we'll go in and just search the agent, so I know when we really need to try a little extra harder, right, to land a big fish. Yeah, no, you got to get this because you know check if it you out. don't I wrote have it down. this, if you don't have this, then you know I might be calling Josh Slayton or Ju- mm-hmm. Julie Burton yep. or Paula. Or any of those top agents that send you business, Dottie. Those names sound familiar. Yep. <laughs> so it, it, it I mean, top it, two. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, so it's a great. So and and then what what I do is I'll click on that real estate agent and see which lenders they're doing business with, and then click on those lenders to see what agents they're doing business with, and. You know, for anyone that has the ADHD, man, it's a wonder. So, how much does that anyway, schmancy software cost you? You know, it only cost me like fifty bucks a month, but I, it's probably we got a national account. So sweet. It um, used to be more expensive. I think there was my MTA, and, well, and back then stuff was four or five hundred bucks a month to have access. So it sounds like there's more competition in that space. Yeah, well, now. so there, you still have my MTA. It's called my MTA Go. Uh-huh. And my MTA Go, you can get the app version, and it's only two fifty. You just put in your county. Okay. So I I actually use my MTA Go to look up if they're they've got it. They'll tell you who the brand new agents are. And so what we'll do is with the, my new loan officers, we'll pull up the new agents. And like for a new loan officer calling a new agent, it's easy, man. You a new loan officer calls them and says. Hey, my name is uh, Heath Barnes. I'm with Cardinal Financial. I understand you're a new agent. And they say, yeah, I'm a new agent. Great. Well, congratulations. I'm sure you're excited. And they're like, yeah. Well, hey, I'd love to interview to be your preferred lender. And half of them say yes. And they're like, oh, sure. And then we'll say, hey, well, most of the agents want to come to our office, but I'm happy to just to meet you for coffee somewhere or even do a Zoom. And when you say most agents mm-hmm. to a new agent, what are they saying? Oh, okay, I'll come to your office. I right? need to do that. Yeah, good to yeah. So anyways, we're kind of getting off track. So back to, so you're talking about down, you're talking about the option fee. Y'all eliminate it completely. Wow. They're eliminating uh, it completely. Now what they're having to do is make themselves cash. So they're all, a lot of the buyers are, are being told the only way they can put an offer in is if they're a cash offer if they want to have a chance. Like it's that stupid right now. So they're going wow. to Homeward and I'm having to learn about that program. We've had a handful of buyers that go to Homeward. Homeward will buy the house for cash and then flip it to our buyer. So it's a flip. What, what's Homeward again? Homeward it's is an in, institutional, it's a big company uh, it, and they will qualify your buyer and they will pay cash for the house and buy the house for your buyer if you have your buyer approved. 
you need to get it okay. appraised to make sure that it will appraise. And then you have a certain number of months. The last couple I did, we had like six months before we had to buy it from Homeward. And they and just what, prorate out what their expense would be. And then Homeward takes a fee. What's the fee? It depends. The last couple I've seen were around 2% of purchase price. Wow. And then what's the rate? Is there an interest rate? So they, I don't know how they calculate it, but basically they can move in. The buyer can move into the house and pay homeward a monthly rent amount, which they have some formula to determine what the, you know, what their wow. cost of credit is. Yeah. But they, yeah. Is it nationwide? It's, I, I believe it is. I don't, it's certainly in my market. And now I know what's what we see is happening is they're getting a shot at the mortgage transaction as well. So my uh, client okay. then is now getting qualified over there. I've been able to do the loans both times, but they're required to qualify with their lending mm-hmm. arm, right? Got it. And, right, but, right? But they're still allowed to use an outside lender. Right. But they have a straight to consumer capture as well, where they may be getting buyers without realtor representation. They Mm. have their own title affiliation where it's a reduced fee. So it's very obvious to me that, you know, they're getting into the space of a real estate transaction. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. advantage there is that can make your buyer cash. We can buy before you sell. We can buy without a mortgage. Yeah. Wow. Man, so I'll leave that in the show notes for everyone on Carson. If you send that to me, I'm going to put that in the show notes for everyone. And then I will put the the rest of your ideas. If you can send me the rest of those, I'll put those in the show notes as well. Um, any, any any other thing that you know that you want to share before we start to wrap things up? No, buddy. Thanks for having me on. I think our mindset needs to change. If you want to succeed and continue this run, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and work a little harder. We need to make sure we're looking at every conversation as an opportunity to sell, as an opportunity for a new relationship. You know, I touched on it earlier. When you're calling that listing agent proactively, you know, we think about Heath, that call, we're selling. Who are we selling when I call the listing agent, right? We're selling the buyer's terms. Yeah. And then if you're good, you're selling yourself, right? Right. And then I often think we forget uh, my job's also to sell my buyer's agent. So I mm-hmm. might remember to ask you, hey, Heath, do you know Julie? Have you worked with her before? You're going to love working with her. She's not mm-hmm. that realtor. You got to call six times to get her to do something. She's a pro's pro. Right. And mm-hmm. so just remember with every opportunity, every conversation, what the goal is, right? If I'm talking to a listing agent, I want to make sure I represent my buyer, that I put a plug in there for myself that I'm representing the buyer's agent. So. Right. I like that. And one, one last thing, because, you know, after, after being in the business for 20 years, I know myself, I've been through some painful experiences and I'm fairly sure one thing is ahead of all of us right now in the mortgage business. When you come off a year like we did in 2020, we've got some pain up ahead. And so I'd like to hear from you knowing that you've been in the business 20 years. Tell me about your most painful experience in the mortgage business and what you learned about yourself, about your business, and maybe you know just some advice you can give to people before uh, I tell you what I acknowledge you before and we wrap up. That sounds great. Good question. You got me on the spot here. I hadn't thought about this at all, but there's a few times in my career that, that come to mind. Probably the biggest was in 2009, kind of a one-man show, 
that was a year that was much like last year. It was it was off the mm-hmm. big housing crisis, but rates were low. And so I'd been mm-hmm. in the business for nine years at the eight, nine years. So I had enough past clients, rates were good. And I was getting blown up with refi requests, plus Austin was booming still. And I think that year in 09, I missed two days of work the whole year. I had wow. no team. I was kind of processing my own loans and closing about 10 to 14 loans a month at that time. And the two days of work I missed were when we were in the hospital giving birth. My wife was giving birth to our second kiddo, to to our daughter. And I literally was like on my phone, on my email. I lied to her right before she gave birth and said, hey, I'm hungry. I got to run down. I got a headache. I need to eat something. I ran down to the cafeteria and made two or three work calls. Wow. And they literally had to send a nurse because I wasn't answering my phone because I was on a, I was trying to save a deal or, or arguing about a rate. And they sent right. a nurse down to track me down. And she delivered five minutes after I got back to the room. Like they were literally pulling oh. the weight on me. So embarrassing. It gets worse, worse, Heath. So on our way back from the hospital, you know, we, we've got this newborn. I'm like, hey, let's stop by the office so I can show Madison off. And, you know, mind you, picture mm. my, my wife's in the, in the passenger seat. She's like sitting on a bag of ice. You understand? Wow. And yeah. and I make her wait in the car 45 minutes and I bring our daughter in and set her down on the couch and I go talk to my underwriter and push two or three more files through. So like, dude, I was the biggest schmuck ever. <laughs> and I think from that low point of like working 60, 70 hour weeks, working seven days a week, not ever having time off to remember, like not remembering my first kiddo, like holding him in my arms. And when he mm. was that age... I have created great memories now and, and I wanted to be that dad that was around for the, mm-hmm. for our second kiddo. Right. So it was like, I broke down and that was the moment that I reached out and signed up for coaching and learned to start building a team mm-hmm. so that I'm not the one doing all the heavy lifting and I could have more balance in life. That was really my low point. Right. I don't know if that's what yeah, you were man. looking for, wow. buddy, but that was pretty low for me. Wow, man. Uh, fast, well, forward, uh, fast forward now, yeah. I coach golf, I coach football with my kids, leave work at, you know, when I need to miss for Monday for golf tournaments, I miss Mondays for golf tournaments, I leave at 3.30 when I need to go be at practice, and it's like, you know, I've got a great team of eight or nine people, and they deserve all the credit, like, we couldn't have closed 400 loans without seven or eight people right. on the team that are, you know, that, that, that help process and push the loans through. Nice. Well, hey, before I share a couple kind words and sign off, if for those of any, anyone, if anyone wants to get a, get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, great question. They can email me. They go to my or they can go to my website, which is www.yourtexaslender.com all spelled out.com and you'll have my contact yeah. information there. It's carson.von, V-A-U-G-H-N at guildmortgage.net. Um, right. More than happy. Yeah, also, Heath, you can leave it in the show notes if you'd like. Perfect, perfect. Well, Just thank not the you. cell phone or the wife will kill me. Yeah, no <laughs> worries. Well, hey, before I let you go, man, I wanted to acknowledge you for you know three things. You know, number one, I want to acknowledge you for the drive you've had over the years, and you know us working together and kind of competing together in a fun and friendly way it made me better. And I acknowledge you for that. I also acknowledge you for the, the passion you have in the business and coaching others and coaching me. And yeah, it's just, man, it's great when someone loves it that much. I can't, I can't 
tell you it it seems like I'm always the one calling you saying, "Hey man, tell me how to do this deal." I'm waiting for the time when you call me and say, "Hey, he tell me how to do this deal." So, and then last I mean for your uh unending friendship, you know, I mean we sometimes we don't go a couple of months without talking. Some we talk every day, but anyways, I just really appreciate your friendship and your blessing to me and I'm looking forward to seeing you next month when I come down to Austin. Right back at you, buddy. Love you too. And I've, I've loved this journey that we're on doing life together and doing work together. It's a lot of fun. Yes. All right, brother. I'll see you at the top. Take care, buddy. Bye. All right. And there you have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the notes at heatbarns.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at heatbarns.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk next time.